0: Good morning, Springbrook. If you're looking for me, I'm back here today. Hi. If this is your first time with us, or your first time back with us in a long time, a special welcome to you. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany, and I'm the worship director here, and it is my privilege and honor to be with you this morning, to welcome you into the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you. If you're joining us online from wherever the Lord has you today, Welcome to you. I want to remind you our online hosts are there for you as always to answer whatever questions you have and would love to spend time in prayer with you. So take advantage of that request prayer button over on the right-hand side. It'll take you into a one-on-one private prayer chat with one of our hosts, and they would just love to spend time with you answering your questions, lifting up your praises and your prayer requests. We want you to feel as connected to this community as possible from wherever you are today. Well, I would love to invite you now to stand as you are able, in body or in spirit— For our call to worship, which comes from Romans chapter 11. It says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our voices together this morning in worship, giving glory to him who is worthy to receive it.
1: stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all would come to the Father are restored, and the church of Christ.
0: scripture reading for today comes from psalm 139 and we're going to take a moment to read it and then we're going to take just a few quick moments of silence to give each of us the chance to reflect on these words and what they might mean for us so let's i'm going to read this over us and just i would encourage you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable let these words um sort of settle into your heart a little bit this morning this is from psalm 139 Says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. And lay your hand upon me. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We lead a really busy life in a really busy world. And so I want us to take this chance just for 10 to 15 seconds of silence and invite the lord invite the holy spirit in this time to search you to search your heart to reveal to you today if there's anything he might have to reveal that he wants to show you that he wants to correct in you that he wants to heal in you today i believe the holy spirit is present i believe he is moving i believe he is forming us so let's just take a moment let's invite him in to search us, to know our hearts, to lead us in the way everlasting. E before the Lord together in prayer. Oh, Holy Spirit, that is our prayer that we would be formed more and more into the likeness of Jesus so that no one could look at us and miss him in us. That nobody could see us, interact with us, be in our life, be in our world, and miss your likeness, Jesus, in our faces, in our voices. In the way that we live and move. The choices we make. The way that we love. Jesus, will you just be all around us? Will you be in everything? Will you continue to lead us to surrender ourselves more and more? To continue to repent and turn away from those things that want to lead us away from you and your love and your way for us. Because we live in the tension of this already and not yet kingdom of God that has already come but is not yet here in its fullness and so we battle every day against our flesh and against our sin and we see the symptoms of sin in our world all around us. Will you help us, Holy Spirit, not to give in to despair, not to give in to discouragement when we watch the news, when we see what's happening around the world or even in our own homes, in our own relationships, the places where we experience brokenness, will you help us to hold on to hope, knowing that when Jesus said, to Telestai, it is finished, that that victory was won by his body broken and his blood poured out. Sin has no claim on us. Death has no claim on us anymore. You help us, Holy Spirit, to know what it means to step into that more and more each and every day. God, I know, I know there are people in this room. There are people worshiping with us online from wherever you have them who are heavily burdened today. I know there are those who are having the best week of their life today. And so we thank you that we can come, that it is okay to not be okay. And it is also okay to be okay and to come and celebrate and praise you for your goodness and your blessings. We can come however we are with whatever we have. And you welcome us with your open arms this morning. Holy Spirit, will you just prepare us in this moment with whatever we have, with whatever state of mind we are in. Will you prepare us for what you have? Will you open our eyes so that we can see clearly open our ears that we might hear from you, open our hearts and our minds that we might be receptive to be formed by you this morning by your word. We love you and all of this is for you. We pray this in the matchless and perfect and beautiful name of Christ Jesus our King. Amen. And you may be seated.
2: Good morning everyone and welcome to Springbrook. My name is Max and I'm one of the members here and I'd like to take a brief moment of your time to introduce some of the wonderful things going on here. But first I'd like you to introduce yourselves. There is a connection card located in each one of the aisles. We invite you to fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable sharing and that will allow us to keep in touch with you and keep you updated on all of the wonderful activities that you can participate in here at the church. If you're joining us online, welcome. I hope you're enjoying the beautiful sunshine outside. There is an online connection card located on the top left corner of your screen. I ask that you please click the button and type in as much information as you wish, and that will allow us to send you emails or the occasional phone call and keep you updated on all of the wonderful things happening here at our church speaking of wonderful things the starting point workshop is starting this wednesday so this is the very last week that you can sign up for it i ask that if you're not in that workshop already that you would please take it starting point is a chance for the staff here at springbrook to sort of introduce you to the church it, we go through the brief history of springbrook talk about our mission statements and it is also a requirement for membership here at the church. With this now being March, we have, the Holy Week is coming up. We now have information online available for all of our special services that will be happening on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. Please go to springbrook.org slash holyweek and to look up that information. Also, with summer approaching, VBS will be here June 6th through June 10th. Please mark your calendars, and if you have small children at home, I'm sure that they will have a fantastic time. However, it takes a lot of people to run a program this large, so we are looking for leaders and volunteers that can run games, lead small groups, teach large-scale lessons, or even just simple things like take attendance. Um, if you're interested in serving for that, please go to springbrook.org slash VBS. Celebrate Recovery is an important ministry here, which helps people get through challenging times in their life. They are meeting on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. in smaller groups, and they now have a large group gathering that will be launching on April 5th, and if you are experiencing some struggles in your life and you would like the church to help you through that uh, please sign up at springbrook.org recovery and now let us hear some wonderful words from our pastor tim
3: don't judge me seems to be a common refrain in our culture today whenever anyone says something that somebody else doesn't like. Uh, it seems like uh, regardless of somebody's behavior or lifestyle choices, or, uh, people, oh, don't judge. And oftentimes, uh, the defense for that, the rationale for that will be pointed back to the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Don't judge lest you be judged. But is that really what he meant? Is that really how that's supposed to be applied? That we should never say anything or, or, or look at a situation and make a judgment determination? Is that wise? Is that healthy? Is that loving? Through these past few weeks, we've been traveling together through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've seen Jesus talk about many different things related to a radical call to a kingdom life. And much of what he has to say is entirely countercultural. We've seen him talk about this life of discipleship, this, this set of values, these principles, this kingdom living that is distinct from anything else that the world has to offer. And in the midst of that, as we continue our series this morning, finding ourselves in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. And if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you, I want to invite you to join me there once again this morning. We find these oft-quoted words of Jesus. And, And maybe we're left asking ourselves, well, okay, so how are we then, if we are citizens of this radical kingdom... How are we to deal with the struggles and the the sins and the the hang ups of others as we walk through this world? How are we to relate to one another as we seek to follow this kingdom path? And that's where we find Jesus addressing here in this passage and i think that as we look at it together this morning we're going to see that he has something far more significant than to, uh, to say than simply never say anything that might offend someone. Matthew chapter 7 beginning verse 1 judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. As Jesus is gathered there surrounded by his disciples as he sat there on the side of this hill which is why we call it the Sermon on the the Mount. As he's teaching he goes from what. We've been looking at in recent weeks to what seems to be a shift here. And what, what he says is that the radical kingdom life requires good and wise discernment, not condemning judgment. You know, one of the dangers that we face as those who would seek to be citizens of this, this radical kingdom that Christ calls us to One of the dangers is that it can be really easy to become like the Pharisees. It can be really easy to find ourselves looking down on others and condemning them for not measuring up. If you've been here in recent weeks, you'll know that in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has talked about pretty heavy stuff. He's talked about issues of anger He's talked about lust. He's talked about divorce. He's talked about making oaths. He's talked about loving our enemies. Even last week, if you were here, a a tremendously uh, exciting and encouraging and comforting promise. God knows how to provide your needs. So don't be anxious. It's easy, if we're not careful, to look at others who are struggling with anger. To look at somebody who is going through a divorce. To look at somebody who is really wrestling with forgiveness and this idea of loving their enemies. It's easy to look at somebody who is overwhelmed with anxiety. And to say, you don't have enough faith. You don't measure up call yourself a christian i don't even think you know jesus one of the challenges that we face as we study through the scriptures is that we come to a passage like this and just because there's a big number 7 after Matthew 6:34 we think That Jesus has just forgotten everything he's talked about and is now moving on to a a, a new subject. But that's simply not the case. He's pointing back to everything he's just talked about when he gives this instruction Judge not, that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so Jesus, in a sense, is giving to us a healthy and balanced corrective. He is helping to us to, to, to guard our perspective, because, you see, we all face a potential danger and that is that we size one another up based on the things that we're doing pretty well on. And so we're quick to see the issues that other people have. And we love to highlight that. And we we kind of put people into groups with that. And there can be a temptation sometimes within the church. And it's interesting, this passage, we're going to see this here in a moment as he refers to brother. This passage is referring to uh, 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 to the context or the community of those who would be part of this kingdom life. Believers. So uh, the warning here, first and foremost, is be careful as you seek this greater righteousness as you walk in the ways that God commands us to walk, in the strength and the power and the provision that He gives. Be careful that you don't judge others in a condemning way. In fact, the word that he uses here for judge is a word that has a fairly wide uh, a range of meaning but specifically here he is speaking about this idea of a uh, a censorous or a a condemning judgment one that looks down on someone and announces a verdict guilty unbeliever Baby Christian, when I'm so mature. It has a kind of arrogance to it, and the danger that he is warning against here is serious because he says, Judge not that you not be judged. Now, we need to understand, he is not saying, If you don't judge others, you will not be judged. It's not what he's saying. All through the New Testament, we see this abundantly clearly. Every one of us, every person who ever has lived and ever will live, will one day stand before the presence of God. And we will give account. Thanks be to God, if you're in Jesus Christ, you have an advocate. And when it is laid out before him, when your life Your thoughts, your motivations, the intentions of your heart are laid bare before that throne. We have one who will stand on our behalf before the Father and say, I paid for that. Not guilty. So this is not saying that there is no judgment. But there is a a sober warning here when he says, For with the judgment you pronounce, it will be judged to you. With the measure you use, so it will be measured to you. It's this idea of whatever... If, if we're to act in a condemning, censorious way towards others, the, then whatever scale we use, uh, uh, whatever, uh, whatever system of reckoning we, we, we choose to apply to others... The warning is, be careful, because because God will use your system to judge you. The Apostle Paul talks about something similar in Romans chapter 2. He says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, that you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? And so again, we see this warning here about not being condemning in our judgment of others because in reality we're speaking condemnation on ourselves because... We may not do exactly the same thing that they do, but we likewise, we likewise are not perfect before God. We have our own stuff. We're sinners saved by grace. And so... We think of the instructions that Jesus is given in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. The warning is, even if you think you're doing well in these areas, be careful that you not judge others. In fact, what he's really talking about here is the fact that we have to be on guard, that we don't try to put ourselves in the place of God. That's really the warning he's giving here, is do not think that you get to sit on that seat of judgment and condemn others because judgment belongs to the Lord. And so the warning is as you seek to live this radical Christian life, don't become like the Pharisees who are quick to see themselves as always doing that which is right and good and just and measuring everybody else up in a condemning way. But we might well ask, so does this, mean that, does this mean that we should never judge anything? And clearly the answer to that is, is no. But then we've got to figure out, so, so how then are we supposed to rightly judge? What kind of the exercise of judgment is appropriate? And as we look through not only the Sermon on the Mount, but through the New Testament, we find that that there are several forms of judgment that we are supposed to be engaged in. So the issue here is don't judge in terms of passing condemnation. But we are to make discerning judgments. We're to make discerning judgments. We know this because even right here in in the Sermon on the Mount, we, for example, see Jesus talking about, the need to love our enemies. Well, how do we do that? Who are our enemies? What does that look like? We're supposed to according to this in a moment verse 6 it refers to 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 dogs and pigs. We're we're supposed to be able to discern who these are. A little bit later uh, next week pastor Rich is going to be talking uh, about The passage that follows, and he talks about being aware of false prophets. Well, how? It takes a judgment, it takes discernment to be able to recognize who they are. So, we are to be able to recognize uh, and make discerning judgments. We're also to be able to make evaluative judgments. Evaluative judgments. Uh, these are, after we've discerned things, uh, we have to be able to make a determination, a judgment as to that which is right and that which is wrong, that which is wise and that which is foolish. We can't just simply say, as many in our culture uh, to do, uh, today try to, oh, you do you. You know, whatever you want to do, that's fine. If that works for you, that's the dumbest thing we can say. No, there are things that are wise and there are things that are foolish. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Whenever we... Whenever we open the pages of Scripture, we are to make a discerning judgment and an evaluative judgment. We're not, we're not evaluating the Scriptures. We're evaluating our lives in light of the Scriptures. How does my life conform to what God has to say here? So we are to make discerning judgments. We're to make evaluative judgments. And yes, sometimes... Sometimes we need to make corrective or disciplinary judgments. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I mean. We need, at times, to make a judgment that is going to help us to help others to come off of a destructive path and move on to the path of life. Even Within the context of the church, we see this in Matthew chapter 18, for example. We have a passage that we sometimes call a church discipline passage. What happens when a brother sins against you? I prefer to think of that as a church restoration passage. Because the goal of it is to restore that brother, to restore that sister. In in 1 Corinthians... Chapter 5 and chapter 6, we see a lot about this. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Paul makes the point that we should be able to recognize and make appropriate wise discernments, evaluations, judgments, because we will judge the angels. But he explains there that there is a time where for the sake of the purity and the well-being and the health of the body of the church... That we need to make corrective, even disciplinary judgments that will warn somebody from the dangers of continuing in a path of sin with the prayerful hope of restoring them to a path of obedience and godliness in Christ. And so we are to make wise and appropriate judgments. The command here in Matthew chapter 7 is not to judge in a condemning way. But lest we misunderstand what Jesus is saying, that does not let us off the hook of exercising this good and wise discernment over matters in our own life and even towards others. I love what John Stott says as he comments on this passage, he says, we need to be as critical of ourselves as we often are of others and as generous to others as we always are to ourselves. He explains here, when he gives an illustration in verse 3 and following. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You know, Jesus' illustration here is pretty easy to understand. And, and of course, it's, it's entirely ludicrous. It's a ridiculous picture here. There's somebody walking around like this, and they're really concerned... Hey, did, do you see that? You, you see that thing that you got in your eye there? You need to deal with that. It, it's preposterous. I know that uh, we've got some here who are in, uh, in, in the field of optometry and uh, eye doctors. And uh, I would imagine that if you walked into their clinic or if you cross the street there over to the, uh, to the ER, at the hospital, and you kind of walk in like this and uh, you, you start speaking to one of the uh, charge nurses and say, hey, it, you know, I, I noticed how you interacted with that person. I just want to point out something that I noticed you doing. I, I think that they would be maybe feeling like there's a bigger issue to deal with here. And that's the picture that Jesus gives. I've got sawdust in my mouth now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the picture that Jesus gives us Related to this idea of judgment. He's saying, you are not off the hook. You are not without responsibility toward your brother. But make sure you're not passing condemning judgment. But rather that you are acting with love. Toward your brother, toward your sister. But doing that means that there is a discernment that we must exercise First directed toward ourselves and only then towards our brother or sister in Christ. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrites. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Evaluate prayerfully before God where those areas in your own life, where in my own life, I need to submit and confess and experience the forgiveness of God and the transforming power of the gospel, bringing freedom. And then, with a loving gentleness, we need to go to our brother or our sister. How do we get our own eye checked? How do we take the plank, the log, out of our own eye? Starts with prayer. Lord, search me. We've just talked about that. Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord, and, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Lord, show me because I am blind to the log because it's been there for so long. We need to go to the Word. We need to ask, God, how would you have me bring my life into conformity to this passage? That should be our ongoing every time we open the scriptures, every time we hear a sermon, every time we listen to something on the, the passage read on the radio, wherever it may be. God, show me how do I, how do I bring myself under the authority of this word? An humble confession. God, I have had an attitude that looks down on others because I have been so focused on the speck. But now I see. Now I see that there's been a log in my eye this whole time. Would you forgive me? Would you free me from this? And Lord, would you make me so sensitive to my sin that, that it feels always like I have something in my eye. You know that feeling, right? When you got something in your eye. You can't do anything until you get it out. God, will you give me that kind of heart. That kind of attitude toward the sin in my life. That I might deal with it quickly before you. We need to take the log out of our own eye. But we also then before we go to others. Before we begin to address the speck. Having done that. We need to take time to pray for them and for yourself. You know the expression like a bull in a china shop? You know, it's this picture of kind of rushing in and just knocking everything over. Sometimes when we try to speak the truth in love, that's what we do. We kind of rush in. You are not off the hook. I am not off the hook for the care, for the love, for for the responsibility of one another within the body of Christ. But before you go, having dealt with the log, next in prayer, ask that God would so soften the heart of that person with a speck in their eye that they would be teachable and responsive to a word of exhortation. And that he would so work in my heart that I would speak with such gentleness and grace that I would be representing Jesus to this person rather than going in heavy-handed and coming across in a way that is condemning. Take time to pray for them and for yourself. We need to also ask ourselves, when we see that speck in our brother's eye, um, is this a issue of discipleship? Is this a biblical issue, or is is this a preference? Well, you know, that music that they played on Sunday, I don't really like that. Oh, that thing that they're doing. The Ohio State shirts that they wore to church this morning. Oh. I'm offended by that. Actually, I couldn't care less. <laughs> Some basketball thing going on apparently. I don't know what it's about. But uh, but you know what? Sometimes the speck that we see in one another's, uh, or in the eyes of others, is not really a speck at all. It's the fact that we have dirty glasses. Uh, we, 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 we have a... A perspective, we have a preference and we'd like to make our preference a, a test of fellowship. We need to go back to the scriptures. We need to prayerfully ask, before I go to this brother, before I go to this sister, is this a, is, is this an issue that needs to be addressed with them or is this an issue that I need to deal with in my own heart? And if we conclude that it's a discipleship issue then that's exactly what we should do we need to go to scripture we need to bring a a passage of scripture with us not so that we knock people over the head with the bible because that is not the idea here it's not like hey brother let me come to you and explain uh, what you're doing wrong thus says the lord thou shalt not that's not what we're doing But we want to encourage one another and instruct one another. We want to do it in a biblical way. We want to see these as discipleship opportunities and we need to come alongside with our arm around them and say hey i I'm noticing this thing in in your life and um I've been wrestling with a lot of things in my own life, and God has been so gracious to me and and, and is and while I've still got a long way to go, he, he, he's leading me to, to a greater freedom than I've ever known. And, and I'm just noticing this thing, and wanted to share with you a little bit about it, because first I want to tell you more about the freedom that I believe that God wants for you to experience. But here's what I've noticed, and I may be off base here, but as I read through the scriptures, this is what God wants for you. And so I want to be available, and this is the last one. I want to be available as I come to you with a heart of love and care for you as my brother or sister. I want to be available and committed to your spiritual well-being. If I'm coming to address the speck, I want you to know that I'm available to you to serve you, to love you, to pray for you, and to help you in any way that I can. That's very different than having a condemning attitude. That's what Jesus tells us that we should do here. Now, while the normal course of the kingdom life calls for this kind of grace, for this kind of kindness, for this kind of wisdom, Jesus is also concerned that his followers not be foolish or naive. You see, sometimes... We, we struggle with this judgmental attitude when we think of, of, of this, this greater righteousness, this high and holy calling that we have in Christ. And, and it can come across as condemning as we measure other people up. We've got to guard against that. But sometimes we can go completely the other way and oh, well, you know, it's just, you know, God loves you and, and it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you're happy. And we, we can become foolish and we can become naive. And at times we can even allow people to be abusive of us. And take advantage of her grace. And so he says. Do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs. Lest they trample them underfoot. And turn and attack you. Seems out of place here. But he seems to be saying. Don't be foolish. There is a time. Rarely as it may be. When you say enough is enough. Now scholars have two different perspectives. On this particular verse. I think that there's possibility that either one of them could be uh, what, what uh, Jesus is referring to here. The first is that he's saying that as we, as we, having dealt with the log in our own eye, as we go to a brother or we go to a sister and we, we, we lovingly try to point out that speck in their eye, some people are unwilling. Some people are going to respond harshly And they're going to take the wisdom. They're going to take the grace. They're going to take the the loving effort that you are making for their spiritual well-being. And they are going to trample on it. And they are going to turn teeth on you. It's one of the perspectives. The second is similar. And it's speaking, however, more about uh, the fact that there are people with whom we might share the gospel. And, and, and this perspective says, well, you know, what's the, uh, what's the holy thing here? Uh, uh, what's the pearls? Well, maybe it's the pearl of great price that Jesus talks about elsewhere, which is, is the gospel. And, and he's saying, you know, there may be some times, as rare as they may be, though we're to preach the gospel to all people, where someone is so hardened, so mocking, even so abusive... That we say enough is enough. The gospel is here, but I'm not going to keep on bringing it to you so that you can malign it, so that you can trample on it, so that you can mistreat it, because it's too precious for that. That there is a time where the wise and discerning person has to say, I'm done. I leave you to God, and that's it. Again, it could be either of those situations, but the bottom line is that what Jesus is saying here is very similar to what Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8 warns us. It says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Do not reprove a scoffer for he will hate you, but reprove a wise man and he will love you. We need this discernment in this. And so, in verses 1 through 6 that we've looked at here, we see this warning or this corrective balance because the greater righteousness, the kingdom priority to which we're called by Christ can, if we're not careful, lead to a judgmentalism of others. While on the other hand, the call to love can lead to a lack of wise discernment. But the truth of the matter is that what Jesus is talking about here, in fact, all of his instruction here within the Sermon on the Mount, it's not easy. Living this kingdom life with wisdom, with kindness, with grace, is a difficult task. But it's precisely because it is difficult that it is to impel us to prayer, which is what Jesus turns to next When he shows us that the radical kingdom life requires good and wise discernment. And for that we need the help of our good and wise God. We have to look at this quickly for the sake of time. But he says here in verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone. Or if he asks him for a fish will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so what he's showing us, what Jesus is showing us here, is that while we cannot live the kingdom life in our own strength or in our own ability we have a good God who is attentive to the call of his children. And so we see here this instruction, ask and seek and knock. Uh, These are not three different steps in the process, but rather Jesus is, is piling up this picture here to emphasize the readiness of God to respond to the call of his children. Isn't that good to know? Is this idea that Jeremiah talks about in Jeremiah 29, 13, where he says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is to be a, a, a diligence and a perseverance in prayer in the knowledge of the fact that, folks, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, our God who rules and reigns over all the universe, he loves to hear from you. And more than that, he delights to respond to your call and cry. When we come to God, we come to Him as a good and wise Father. Jesus, again, gives an illustration here. And He is using this illustration as an argument from lesser to greater. He says, Though you are evil... And he's really talking here about the, the, the universal, the sinfulness of man. He's saying, though you are evil, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your good father. And he uses, uh, I love the pictures that he uses here. He says, which of you, if you have a son who asks you for bread, is going to give him a stone? Which, which one, if he asks for, for, for a fish, is going to give him a snake? Now, I don't do snakes, so I, I'm glad that my father never did that. But what Jesus is is pointing out here is the fact that we have a God who knows how to give good gifts. But listen, when we go to him in prayer, he is good and he is wise in what he gives. God will never give you something that ultimately will not satisfy. If what you need is bread, he will never give you a stone. No matter how much you might even ask for a stone. And we all know there are times that we pray for things, and years later we're like, oh, God, thank you, you did not give that to me. He's so wise. God will never give you something that ultimately will not satisfy. And the fish and the snake, God will never give you something that ultimately will get, do you harm. Sometimes we shake our fist. Oh God, why haven't you answered this prayer? It's like because if I give you what you are asking for there, it will do damage to you. We have a good father who is wise and perfect in all his ways. He knows what he's doing. He will answer. He is attentive to the cries of his people. When we seek him for wisdom as to how do we live this kingdom life, when we seek him over, how do we deal with that log in our eye and that speck in our brother's? when we seek Him over those things, when we take to Him those things that are, 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 we are anxious about, that we are fearful about, those things that we are uncertain about, the needs that we have, He delights to hear and answer. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and know that He's wise, and know that He's good, and know that He's kind. And He will answer, and He will provide, because He is even better than the best of earthly fathers. But no, and I love how D.A. Carson helped me uh, uh, with this. When we come to God in prayer, you do not come to a reluctant stranger who needs to be cajoled or bullied into bestowing gifts. We don't have to try to twist God's arm into giving us what we need. When you come to God, you do not come to a malicious tyrant. Who takes glee in the tricks that he plays on you? Oh, you want bread, huh? Huh? I got some bread. I got some bread. Here's a stone. It's not what he's like. When you come to God, you don't come to an indulgent grandfather. No offense, there may be a few indulgent grandfathers here, but we don't. That's not how we come. That's not what our God is like. He is not an indulgent grandfather who provides everything requested of him. But rather, when you come, when you come to God, when you come to your heavenly Father, the King of heaven, He graciously and willingly bestows good gifts on His children. So keep asking. So keep seeking. So keep knocking because God wants to hear from you. Ask him, seek him for the wisdom you need to live this kind of radical kingdom life that Jesus calls us to in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. Ask him and seek him about that, that, that thing you're facing right now where you don't know which way to turn. Ask him about that need that you have. And know that as a good and wise God, he will answer. And his answer will be good and wise. Even if it's not what you might expect. And then finally, Jesus closes this portion of the Sermon on the Mount with what we often call the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And so after saying that we have a God who is a resource, who is available to help us with our need to live out this kingdom life. He in a sense summarizes everything he's talked about in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and now the beginning of chapter 7. In fact, he refers here to the fact that this is the law and the prophets. This golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you in a sense, summarizes the law and the prophets. Now, back in Matthew chapter 5, we saw Jesus talking about the law and the prophets. And so there's what we call an inclusio here. It's like bookends. It's like, I'm going to talk to you about what it looks like to fulfill the law and the prophets. And now he's given this summary statement. So if you want to sum up the stuff on anger, you want to sum up the stuff on oaths, you want to sum up the stuff on loving your enemies, you want to sum up that stuff, do to others as you would have them do to you. But remember, that's not easy. And you need to keep on going back and asking and seeking and knocking and know this. Thanks be to God, we do not live the kingdom life in our own strength, in our own effort, in our own ability, based on whether we're having a good day or that person is being a fool towards us. We do it in the power and the grace and the provision that He gives knowing that he is a merciful God who has looked with mercy upon us, though we were undeserving. And so we ought to look with mercy upon others, even if they're undeserving too. Such a call. Such a kingdom life is not easy, but thanks be to God. We walk not in our own strength, but the strength he gives. The radical kingdom life requires good and wise discernment, and for that, for that we need the help of our good and wise God. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we are thankful that we have this invitation through Christ to ask and to seek and to knock and to know that you are a faithful God who who hears and listens and and answers the cry of your people. Lord, we need you. We need you. Forgive us for often being so quick to see the flaws, the issues, the sins in the lives of others, and so slow to see the log in our own eye. I pray that you would forgive us for that judgmental attitude that often is one of condemnation as we look toward others, as we try to compare ourselves, as we try to sit in your seat of judgment. Oh, Lord, would you give us the grace and the wisdom to be able first to examine our own lives? Would you search each one of us and show us, God, where would you choose to work in us that we might become more like Christ? But would you also, Lord, give us a holy passion and a deep dependence on you that we might be so engaged in and so so much lovers of one another within your body that we would recognize the privilege and the responsibility that we have to come alongside and to help to encourage one another and exhort one another and lead one another closer to you. Lord, we ask this that we might be those kingdom people who live so counterculturally in the midst of this world, that everybody around us might see our good works and glorify you, our Father, who is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, we'd love to invite you one more time to stand as you are able. Let's respond together in song to the word we have received from the Lord this morning. Let's sing this out together. Jesus
4: at the center. Jesus at the center of it all.
0: Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Go now in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in him. We will see you next Sunday.